Happy Jack's RPG podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hello, and welcome to season 32, episode 3 of the Happy Jack's RPG podcast, live from GameX 2023. And this is our panel, and our live studio audience. They are small but mighty. So we are going to start this show. If you have never listened to this show before, don't start with this episode. (laughs) Go somewhere else and come back another time. No, no, no. Not you. Not you. You, you Not not the people who are here in person. But if you are watching or listening to the show, this is a very, very out-of-the-box, unusual show. When we're at conventions, we talk to people, we talk, have them share games they run, they tell us games they played, we have stories, we get a little drunk. It's a little wild. So this is not I'm the episode to start drunk. the Happy Jack's journey on, but it's definitely one to come back to, like when you've had a few. So it's great. And we're going to start off with our amazing leader, runner of Strategicon, Eric, who's going to give us a con update for this amazing convention. You stand right here. I'm standing right here. <laughs> Hello. Now lift up one leg. Oh, I can hold this. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm privileged. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, thank you very much for coming out to GameX 2023. I'll put it. Yes. So we're at, this is actually kind of impressive, given uh, this is our first true post-pandemic show. We are somewhere around 1,800 already. Nice. It's, uh, yeah, nice position. Last show, we hit a bit over 2,000 like we had thought we would. This show, it'll be close. We actually expect the show to be down slightly because it is GameX and yeah. it's the smallest of our three shows, but it's not down as much as a normal GameX, which means it's still going up. So all is well. Everyone, we've had a few fire drills today. <laughs> I'm sure they'll tell you about those. Yes. It's been an interesting trip and yeah. you know, that's about all I got. So thank you very much. Thank and you. good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's been amazing. There's the three cons each year here and that Strategic Con runs. And GameX is usually the smallest of the three. Just because Memorial Day weekend, it's like right before summer. feel like kids are busy. I'm a teacher, vinyls. so it's super stressful. But yeah, vinyls. All of us are like, oh, God. Thank you. Oh, and Ren Fair. Yeah, Ren Fair ended last weekend, which is why we used to never do this show until I quit <laughs> doing Ren Fair. Anyway, so yeah. So a lot of that. Thank you. He's a lot. He's fine. He's fine. It's at the fine. farm. Yeah, we have pictures. It's fine. So. Yeah. Another really exciting thing is we started a new Happy Jacks thing here at GameX. We started the As Seen on Happy Jacks booth, which is kind of a co-op of a bunch of different designers who all are part of the Happy Jacks extended family. So basically what it is, is we pool our meager resource money as indie TTRPG designers, and we buy tables that we share. <laughs> and we, ha- we, we unify it with the branding of As Seen on Happy Jacks. And that way, none of us have to shell out our hard-earned, meager income from being indie designers to spend for a whole table. So it makes it a lot more affordable for us. And it also helps draw people to the table because instead of having one game there, you have like a bunch of people with their games there. So people actually stop and take a look. And that's actually been very successful. Both Chris and I have been selling stuff there. Hurt Potts' games are there. Gallant Knight Games, some of the tiny dungeon, t- tiny Cthulhu 
games are all at the booth too. And it's it's been exciting, a learning experience and very successful, I think. What do you think, Chris? I think it's great. I mean, after all these these years of being at the con and not having a table, in retrospect, it seems a little weird. And now that we have it, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, we should be doing this. From a, from a game designer point of view, it's it's awesome because, I mean, I've got the, the two or three titles and you're sitting there with your two or three titles looking like a schlub. But when you have the masses with you and you can, everybody gets lifted up and we all know each other's games anyway. Yeah. So all we have to do is talk about games we already know and love. Like today when we were doing, I was talking to somebody about Decima, <laughs> she stopped me after a while and said, did you, you didn't design this. I, I, oh, no, no, no. No, no, she's a friend. And and she was like, oh, good friend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that happened with uh, Kurt Potts's game, Lighthearted, yeah. too. Yeah. Like someone was talking about Lighthearted with you. And then I jumped in and was like, yeah, and then this. And it, so it's, it's really nice, too, because it also takes off the pressure of having like one person at the table all day. So we've been yeah. able to kind of take turns going and running tests, play tests of our games and like get people to like know about us while someone else is there and actually able to sell. So. And it was cool because like, Gal and I, Alan, who I know and love, it would just happened to be attending the con and he found out that we had this booth. He's like, well, I'll bring some games. And that's how Kurt's and Kurt and Katie's game ended up on the table. Yeah. So that's we awesome. can actually bring other games in. I know Stephanie Bryant, who did Threadbare, was talking about, well, maybe I should get my game in there. And yeah, we yeah. have indie designers all over this con and it's cool to have a place for them. Yeah, we start with two tables this con. And soon we will have a whole row of all Happy Jack's friend designers. It'll be amazing. I hear that this designer from Probably OK Games has this game called, what is it, Demigods? Who might be selling at a future con? Can you weigh in on this, Jason? Hi, my name's Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi, Hi Jason. Jason. I made a game called Demigods that you can find at Probably OK Games. Thank you for mentioning it. The quick start is available there. It'll be up on RPG. I keep saying next month, for like the last three months. But that's my MO, I think, at this point. People know me for taking longer to deliver on something than you'd it's, hoped. Yeah, it's probably um, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually happening. So this is very exciting for me. And by fall, what's the fall one called? That's not OrcCon. September Con. September Con, yeah. That's, that's what we call it. It's not that. <laughs> it's just a G-Con. Strategic Con. Yeah. Gateway Con or Con. Yeah, okay. No. Thank you. Go to strategicon.com for actual reliable information. Yes. Yes. Don't turn into this podcast for that right now because we're drunk. Hopefully I'll have some hard copies by then and it will be fun. So it will be fun. And it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Like I immediately like messaged the person who did the layout for demigods and it was like, so my next game is coming up in a couple months. Yeah. Please block out your calendar because I want you to do the layout because it's so beautiful. Yeah, the layout's amazing. The art is amazing. Almost all of it is by Minerva Fox yeah. at blue underscore troller. Yeah. Blue blue troller? Blue yeah. troller, yep. That's awesome. But anyway, if you haven't... I feel like many people have seen the Demigod's art, but I just wanted to like specifically call it the layout because that's like the new piece that many people probably haven't seen. Yeah, that's true. The backers have that like preliminary copy that went out and... Honestly, I've gotten so much good feedback on it. I, so it just floating. I'm yeah. so happy about how it turned out. Awesome. But anyway, so that's kind of our new endeavor. And yeah, we're very excited about that. Our new focus at Happy Jacks of like really supporting and pushing indie TTRPG designers is, I don't know, it makes me happy. And that's why we're doing it because it makes me happy and we do what makes me happy because I'm the boss. Anyway, <laughs> that's how that works now. That's um, just because we love you. Yeah, this is the cider talking. I apologize. All right. I think that's it. So let's start with games. So games. many, so many games. So many games. 
anybody run or play anything on Friday nights? No, I was up frantically like making it. Oh, you did? Okay, come tell. Sweet. Wait, yeah, no, don't talk until you're here at the mic. You have to stand right here. Move this way. Okay, first off, hello. What what's your name and what makes you famous? I'm Joe Ipson. I'm not very famous, but Denver, I I've got a lot of people that I go to the gaming conventions. I've run different subsections of it, live action, that kind of thing. Take, um, take one big step. One big step, more into uh, perfect. Parfait. And uh, how did you hear about Happy Jacks? I've been listening to Happy Jacks for 10 years. I think I actually got found out of it because I was looking for podcasts about gaming and I found Fear the Boot and then Stu and Stork guessed yeah. on it. And I'm like, oh, those guys are funny. <laughs> and, and actually the content at Happy Jacks is more along the lines of, of what I'm interested in. So, so I've stuck with it since then. Thank you for hanging on while I'm still in charge. I appreciate it. So you're into beer and burps? Is that the... Burps? No, yeah. That we're... is not our brand. <laughs> Slander. 98% fewer burps so. these days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, uh, so why don't you tell us about the game you played on Friday? Okay, so I played a couple. So I heard about Plades in the Dark from listening to Happy Jacks, and I wanted to try it. This is mm-hmm. my first chance of doing that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We have seven players at the table, so you know how that usually Ouch. ends up. Wow. But it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. it was successful and lots of cool stuff happening. I'm not used to microphones. And the following, like that was a good game. That night that I did get a chance to do 10 candles for the first time. Oh, you did with Stephanie? Oh, with Stephanie. Oh my God. Like, I heard Bryant? about this game. Oh, yeah. Stephanie Bryant. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. You were in a triple A, like yeah. turns out I, I picked platinum up. plated. I yeah, yeah, I, I only I 10 heard. candles at this convention. This game was serious. I yeah. heard about it. Yeah, it was fun. You gotta tell us. Oh boy. Let me try to remember that I'm in front of the microphone. Are you still develop the trauma? It will go away eventually. <laughs> Just share it. Yeah, so it was... Hmm, I don't want to give spoilers away because it ruins some people. <laughs> yeah, they're all different. So I took it very personally because I've got a 14-year-old son who's going to be joining me in a few days. And I wanted to him to be part of the game. Of course, 10 Candles has a rather tragic ending. And I knew that going in. I also... Because I was protecting him and trying to get him through the entire thing. And so that made it a little bit of intense, but I asked for it. We definitely, that's where I've seen the lines and veils practice and it was good that it was there. There was a certain amount that I was okay with, but I, I didn't want to go into too much detail of seeing my child die. But that's why I was there is that I wanted to, I like intense games, They're very emotional and putting my child up to sacrifice is a pretty dark way to do it but yeah but it made it very intense it was very satisfying and and definitely i think the other players if they had children probably were like wow okay i I was the only one that did that somebody there was one scene where a guy was talking about his ex-wife and i think he might have been sorting through some stuff too because Uh, i said i was I, i ended up someone gave me clumsy as a an aspect and i interpreted it as socially clumsy i just really really rude things. And he started screaming at me. Oh. And I was like, yeah, okay, that worked. And it was, it was intense. I, I kind of like, that's what I was looking for. But then I was also a little overwhelmed because the guy really got into it. And it was successful. It was like, there was no real hard feelings, but it was intense. So That game does that. I mean, it will bond you to the other players in ways that are yeah. very unpredictable. Yeah, Kurt, I think Kurt I actually Potts to... and I became very close after our 10 Candles game like, okay. a number of years ago. It's, it's nuts. Were you the one that lost your arm to the the boat the engine? Boat. Yeah, and my son as well. Uh, the hand. Oh, I didn't know about the son part. I heard yeah, about the arm. He was helping me. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were stranded on this boat out in the middle of the water. 
I actually got bit by sharks because... So she brought sharks into it too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was the guy that... Nice. <laughs> I followed the guy to the boat that was very optimistic and, and positive. And, well, those are the attributes I chose for myself that I had to hand over to him. Surprise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I trusted him. And I'm like, you've... Because I am an optimistic, like, I'm going to try and do these things. So I was like, well, he's doing these things that that's going to give us the best chance and I got to do everything. So he got chewed up on the way out there. And so he chummed the water and I followed him into bloody waters. And she's like, okay, well, they're bad, but sharks are still around. So yeah, that was my, it was an intense game. Yeah. And I'm glad I got to play it sort of blind. I will run it when Mm -hmm. I get back home. I think people should experience it. You could do the 16 candles variant. Do you know about that? No. I think I came up with this once. (laughs) You do it in reverse. Okay. So no candles are lit and everything's going to hell because you have no dice and you're in high school and nothing works the way you want it to work. But by the end of it, your candles are lit. You have all the dice and you get everything you want. Just like a John Hughes movie. I I like that. I like that very much, especially since I have a 14-year-old son who's struggling with high school drama. So So, yeah, it works surprisingly well. You just reverse the mechanics. I like that. (laughs) That's wonderful. It was 16 candles. It's not a... It was just a... Yeah, okay. you just take just the game thought. and reverse it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else did I play? Oh, yeah. And really Saturday. Did. Anybody else play anything on Friday? 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 I, I will yeah. say about Friday that I usually run a game on Friday. Uh-huh. I didn't this time because I know what to expect with our whole operation. Yes. And I didn't realize how slow it was on Friday. I, I walked down to Games on Demand. It was Tomes. And yeah. it was great. I hang, hung out with Tomes for a couple hours, but nothing. Nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I don't come on Fridays. So, I mean, I don't come to the convention on Fridays. So, sorry, forgive me. So, yeah, it's interesting planning for setting up a whole booth and everything when you're usually just worried about running games and things like that. that Um, But yeah, it's interesting seeing the pattern and the flow between games that are running as you're at the in the merch area. What is it called? Dealer room. room. Yeah, exhibition hall. Dealer room. Yeah, Yeah, the stuff with the shopping, the mall, the The merchantarium. It's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. Okay, Saturday morning. Is that me? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. so I ran a game this morning uh, called Starscape. It is a game that I am designing and beta testing. And I told new people to leave and not watch this show. So you have probably heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and like most 9am con games that I run, I had very little sleep and a lot of caffeine. And I had rewritten a bunch of the mechanics at about 2.30am this morning. Yeah, it was great. And it's like, I think it did surprisingly well. You were going to talk about it, and I sent you back to your seat, so you can come back up now. <laughs> so, so this was, like this was also it. after you're setting up the booth. And also setting up the booth. Yeah, yeah, I got here really early. Well, first I had to get up at 5.30 to edit the audio for the first full episode of Pinnacles, which Jason is running, so that I could publish that this morning so it was up before you played again tomorrow. And then I packed everything and then got in the car, and we got here by 7.30 so that I could set up the booth before I ran the game at 9. And that's what you're going to talk about, the game at 9. You're, you're very, very functional given la- that amount of sleep or lack thereof. So I do have a question for you about the, the parts that you rewrote because confrontation was probably the highlight of the game that I played. And, and it sounds like you rewrote the confrontation portion in the middle of the night last night. Yeah. How much of that changed and was new? Also, is there another time to write rules? <laughs> <laughs> Not no. that I am aware of. I mean, that's like a guild-mandated yeah. game designer thing. Yeah, it, it's the, part of the indie de- game design like union rules. You have to do most of your best game design frantically the morning before a play test. And yeah. if you don't, they know. And they don't. They do. If you yeah. get reported and you're no longer an indie designer, you're way too... You've got and, too much shit to get Hey, we support unions here, so... Yeah, we you do. Know, that's... So that move 
The triggers were, have been the same to explain what the move is. Starscape fo- focuses on the interpersonal relationships between a crew and a tiny tin can in space or a big tin can in space, but it's a tin can in space. And um, or a goddamn tall ship. Jason hates tall ships in space. It's a whole thing. And so we play that way every time he plays us. <laughs> God damn it. But confronts every playbook has a unique set of things that upset that PC. So it can be someone for the unfamiliar, which is kind of like the data, the Android, the unknown person. I don't like. Yeah. Hi, Tom's just walked in. That would be like someone treating them like an object or a pet. So something that really upsets them. So they can either internalize those feelings and mark a condition, or they can confront the crewmate who upset them. So those triggers were the same from the last, most of them, most of the playbooks, they were the same. And then the way confront works was completely rewritten. There were, I used to have multiple options. Like there was a, I agree, like they agree with you and they apologize. They disagree with you. They reject your premise and like insult you. And then there was like a middle one, which is like, they agree, but they don't apologize and they learn something from it. So I took those away. I just, I simplified it to you. They accept and try and make amends or they reject and your premise completely. And then I added that option where you could... And the whole wagering conditions was brand new too. So now the way it works is you can wager conditions, which are kind of similar to masks, the the thing you mark instead of hit points for Starscape. So you can wager up to three conditions to give you a plus one to your role to confront someone. So it's basically measuring your emotional investment in how much you're going to confront this person. And if they accept your premise, if you roll well and the other PC accepts your premise, then you get to spend those three on a list of beneficial things that are cool. If they reject your premise, then you actually have to mark that number of conditions. So you have a much more heavy like results and like more emotional damage if they reject you after you confront them, if you put a whole, all your emotions into it. So that was all new from 2.30 this morning. <laughs> so... In my particular situation, I felt like he rejected it. But statistically, it seemed like I, I learned something from it because I got a lot of positive feedback from it. Like it was sort of a growth moment for my character and, mm-hmm. and I sort of, and also realizing my own hubris. And so, you know, the role-playing was fantastic and <laughs> it was a lot of, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of like, it was a confrontation. It's exactly what it was. And my character a kid and was trying to, but he wasn't really a kid. So he was standing up for himself and he still was getting a little bit snuck, knocked down. And he started to realize that, well, maybe, maybe this person has a good point. I should look inside. And so I think that's, I like that. Maybe it was the role playing, maybe the statistics, because at the end of it, I did get rewarded. And so I really appreciate that part of it. I don't necessarily understand. This is my first PBTA. So yeah, I just role played, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to... I look forward to seeing more from it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was was exciting. It was a very unique game that I've run. A lot of times people pick very combat-heavy scenarios. At the beginning of the game, you kind of set up a scenario that's happening with... It's like this Mad Libs thing I've done. And this crew, they didn't pick like, oh, we just got... Pirates just attacked us because you have to have... Okay, we... Something big just happened. It damaged the ship. We upset somebody. And this happened in the last like two weeks to 10 minutes. Like they have to like answer all these questions. 
And they decided that they had a living ship that had a parasite, which is a very unique and very interesting story to then like spin up into a full like one shot game in a few minutes. And they did. It was very interesting. It was a challenge. And I think it went really well. Uh, it really highlights kind of the, the interaction between the characters. Starscape is great. It really sings as a campaign. Like all those interactions as you play over weeks and however long you play really deepen. A lot of PBTA games don't really last, like last super well long-term. They, they have a little bit of a shorter shelf life than a lot of RPGs. I feel like Starscape, like the longer you play, the more it sings because the more drama builds up between the characters and just like the deeper it gets. It does well for one shots. And I was, I was pleased with how all this stuff happened this morning. Can't hear you. Is the trust mechanic unique to Starscape? Yes. Okay, it's fantastic. Talk about it. Okay, <laughs> so that also got rewritten since last time I ran it at the last con and last time I played it, which was a few weeks ago. So the trust mechanic it has always been core to the design, but how it's worked has changed. Okay, that's how it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> here, I'll sit. So I wanted it to be about trust because... When I, I've told the story before, so you're going to have to sit through it again. During the pandemic, I was pregnant and I had my baby in April 2020. So I was stressed out. I was scared. I was trying to teach online in my last weeks of pregnancy. Then I was on maternity leave during the end of a school year where everyone was suddenly online and I was feeling super alone and we were so scared. Sorry if that's triggering for anybody. I apologize. But so I started watching Star Trek because I'd never really watched Star Trek. So I started and I watched all the Star Treks, all of them, including Enterprise, like back to back, straight through. If you have a brand new baby, you sit a lot. If you have a brand new baby during a pandemic where you can't go anywhere, you sit a lot. So I literally sat my baby and I sat and I watched like 10 hours of Star Trek a day <laughs> for a long time. And I now realize how bad this was because I have all these beautiful videos of my baby with Klingons in the background yelling. <laughs> like, literally, there are very few videos of my child from her first weeks of life that don't have some sort of Star Trek soundtrack behind it. If I'm lucky, it's like Belana Torres sounding amazingly smart or like some sort of like instrumental thing. But this like got me on this kick and I like, really identified with this show that I'd never really like clicked with before. And I started, I was like, I have to make this a PBTA game because I'd never, I started first off, I was looking to run online games and I started looking for a game that captured what I loved about Star Trek. That was a PBTA hack. And I couldn't find it because a lot of, there are a lot of awesome sci-fi PBTA hacks out there, but all of them focus very much on like the details of phaser fire and at least at the time. There, are, there have been some that have come out recently that are a little bit more about the, the things. But what I loved about these shows was like the trust and how they would go to like their little 80s looking exercise class between like saving themselves from the weird nebula that was trying to eat them or have a baby with them or whatever it was. And super weird episode to have a baby. And then like... <laughs> or both. Or both. Space so yeah. So that was like the thing that I really loved is like the... A plots and then the B plots that were there and watching these all these different series back to back because once I finished Star Trek, I was like, okay, well, I want to watch something else. So I started, I watched all Babylon 5 and then I oh. watched all of Farscape and all of this is back to back over many months and these very clear 
archetypes appeared that were true for all of them. And I and that just fed into, okay, it started as a Star Trek, like numbers filed off PBTA hack and it became a no found family in space thing that was more focused on how they were relationships and less about actual Star Trek. And it wasn't until a long time later, someone's like, so you're writing a game about people stuck together at that can't leave. Huh. I wonder if you're working through some things, Kimmy. <laughs> Doesn't sound like anything to me. I was like, oh, oh, that's what this is about. Okay, I get it. Okay. So the thing that was central in all these stories, the archetypes were similar, but was the relationships between the characters and the trust. And the trust being gained and lost is huge in all the storylines for all the shows. And people make mistakes and they, they aren't trusted for a while and they have to bring themselves back onto the crew. Sometimes they have to leave. So I really wanted that to be kind of the core of the game. And the way it works now is you have a trust modifier that adds plus one if you're very trusted. And then it, if you're not trusted, it's, it does minuses. And then if you're very not trusted, if you're untrusted, it's you roll with disadvantage. And it affects every single roll you make. And then you have conditions, which I'm actually pretty excited about the conditions mechanics that has appeared Every playbook has a unique set of conditions. There's 10 of them. And if you each stat has two conditions that are linked with it. And if you mark both of those conditions, the player gets to choose which conditions get marked at any point. It says market condition. You get to choose which, what you're feeling at that moment. If both conditions for a stat are marked, that stat becomes negative one. It's not, ne- you don't lose one. It's like, if, even if it's your two stat, it becomes negative one. So it's a big blow. It's like Dang. heavy emotional, like causing you a lot of things. The cool thing that I think it's sort of innovated about that is each playbook has its own set of conditions that are all in different orders. So each playbook is designed. The thing that I think will be the very last thing the civilian marks will, is the thing that's next to their highest stat. So basically, they're going to have to mark everything else, like their negative two stat, like those are the things they're going to be all the time. So the civilian is sort of like the face character who's like, an entrepreneur, a wheeler and dealer. Usually they're a little bit of a smarmy business person. They're like the quark type character. So like selfish, they're probably that all the time. So that's like the crumbs. That's the stat that's negative one to start. But like maybe they're feeling... I can't think of it now because like there's pressure. But the thing that they are least likely to feel is next to their highest stat. And each playbook is fairly carefully calibrated. I'm still like honing that in. So a lot of that is very personalized. And I think it's, I don't know, so far it's working out pretty well. So that was a long rant about my game and a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, but I haven't really broken down a lot of the updates on Starscape and how it's changed since the playtest that we did. The AP, I guess it was like a, two years ago almost now. And a lot of it has been, a lot of it has changed. It's nothing like it was then now, except the name is the same. So, but yeah, no, it was really great. It's always fantastic to see a game go in a direction you never expected and still work. And the thing that's cool about Starscape is I feel like it always ends up working. And I don't feel like it's me because even if I'm not sure where things are going, I feel like the things at the table, like as long as I'm making sure everybody gets a couple minutes, the mechanics make sure that everybody has something to do and that they somehow connect with each other, which is the ultimate goal. So, all right, that's enough about me. (laughs) Any other games on Saturday morning? Yes. So my adventure this weekend has, or an experiment, let's say. So 
I think people may be surprised to learn that I played in two separate instances of uh, D&D Adventurers League uh, <gasps> today. Yeah, I know. What? Yes. I think Nick asked you, did you misunderstand what Jason was doing? Like he asked you what I was up to, something like that. And he was like, that, that can't be right. Which on the surface, I'm glad that I have cultivated that image for myself. <laughs> for people who don't know, Adventurers League is organized D&D play where you go through set of, the, like book adventures and you're a set of characters who have been thrown together at random, which is generally my nightmare with no like backstory or character connections or anything. But you go through and play these pre-made adventures with strangers and get loot and loot the bodies and loot the room and do all this stuff. And honestly, I've always stuck by like, I think D&D is the greatest tactical board game RPG that there is. I think it is the best tactical board game, right? What, don't look at me. What's a better tactical board game, Kimmy? <laughs> I have no idea because I don't play those games. Okay. So, <laughs> I would um, Car Wars. Okay. That was very good. Car Wars is good, not in print. <laughs> it is too. It got reprinted. Oh, okay. Well, you got me on that one. <laughs> yeah. God, Jason. So, damn. The point is, I got to dive into some DD crunch and it was kind of fun. And the thing that I was afraid of is I thought I was going to get there and it was going to be four other people who had just min-maxed the shit out of their character sheets and they were there to fucking win. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're an asshole, right? I've been at two tables today and that didn't happen. It was a bunch of people who... I think the people who played like that got tired of it and left at some point because the people who are left are making weird shit with their characters and having fun and role-playing and like doing all the stuff that I was being judgmental. I prejudged the whole situation and I just finally decided to go and see for myself and I had a good time. High five. Yeah. yeah. Jason growing up. Well, I, <laughs> Look at him experimenting. Um, I feel like it's a a mix of a lot of things. I think a lot of the idea of what kind of organized play of that type is, is like a holdover from years ago. And cons in general, the the culture of it has changed. As a family presenting person, like coming to cons, my experience has changed completely from when we first started coming to even these cons. It's so different now and it's so much more accepting and it's so wonderful. So I feel like that can't help but start like permeating into even like organized play like that, which is great. I, yeah. It's what we want to have. Happen. Oh yeah. There were safety tools on the table. I mean, part of that strategic con, cause I know they insist, but like they were on the table. None of the staff disparaged the safety tools I could tell one person was like not super into it, but did not really undermine the safety tools, which I was like, I get that these aren't for you, but he's not saying they're fucking stupid. He just was like, here's this. If this happens, here's how to use it. And it was fine. So I really, yeah, I'm just going to just eat my hat on that one. So and you had some good DMs too. Yeah, yeah. I had two great DMs who, well, one of them is one of the admins for Adventurers League here. So that was lucky. By the end, I grappled a dragon, climbed on its head, and smashed his stupid head in with a sledgehammer. So like, yeah. <laughs> that felt pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And you were saying that you actually had newer players and you're in one of your games, right? In both games, almost everyone there... Well, okay, out of the nine people that I played with today, at least four of them were also first-time Adventure League. Not first-time D&D. Everyone there pretty much knew D&D. But at least half of us were brand new to Adventurers League. 
That's and cool. we all felt like it was super easy to make a character and understand what was going on. And the parts I didn't know, they explained and nobody was like, oh, why don't you know that? You know, which is <laughs> fully what I expected and was emotionally prepared for. But it wasn't that. And I had I went back and did it again. I went to two sessions today. So I don't know. It was fun. I had a good time. That's awesome. So you had a uh, question. Did you have the same character in both games? Yes. Yeah. Right. And then what level did you start at? I started at level five because nice. the, the okay. tier ones were all full up, but you can start at level five if, if that's where you want to start. And after the first one, because so you level up after every adventure if you want to. And then the way we had, they do downtime, I was able to level up again. So oh, it's also the thing I was worried about. It was like, is it going to take forever to level up? Am I going to get magic items? Am I going to get... The thing that I like about D&D is that like getting gear and exploring a dungeon and loot and gold and like getting all that stuff, right, is my video game dopamine plunger of just like get the loot cycle going. And it was satisfying. There's lots of stuff. If you get something you can't use, you could trade it. There's a system to do that. And so, I mean, here I am evangelizing for Adventurers League. Like, I love my indie games, indie games forever. But like, <laughs> you know what? I had a good time. So there it is. <laughs> and what class did you play? What class did you play? Oh, I played, I started as a level five fighter using the Rune Knight uh, oh, subclass, nice. which I hadn't even seen before. But I like runes and shit, which is the whole reason I picked it in the, like, the five minutes I took to make my character. And it was rad. <laughs> I had yeah. so much fun. It does all this weird, cool stuff that is like, it uses a lot more reactions, which I think fighters sometimes don't have enough of. Yep. And whenever I go to a new game, I mean, I've played a bunch of D&D, but whenever I go to a new game experience, I always try to find their like fighter, their warrior, their whatever their most basic like melee class is and see like, is this well-designed? Because this is the easiest thing to do well in just about any game system. And if that's good, then I'll look at the rest of it. But if you fuck up your fighter, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Or or you don't have fighters in your game, which is fine, right? If it's an emotional game, if, if it's... Well, there's emotional fighters, Jason. Yeah, that's true. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think on this podcast, we punch up because D&D is like the 800-pound gorilla in the room. But even I'll admit that every few years I get like the urge just to play D&D sure. and just like smash things in a dungeon and it's fun. And I play my angry like warrior fighter woman for like 10 sessions and I'm like, okay, I'm done with this for another four years. It's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm playing a, a Goliath woman fighter in your honor. Excellent. Nice. I'm happy with that being my brand. I like Goliaths. They're a fun race. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's like I paid the two bucks on D&D Beyond to add it because it's it's like the legacy version wasn't AL legal. And oh, I was like, I like Goliath so much anyway. And I want to play it today. And that was, I had to pay the two bucks. So like, okay, <laughs> fine. So is that like the BMW heated seats that you're paying for? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Do you yeah. have to have D&D Beyond to play? No. Oh, okay. No. And in fact, I think I was the only one using digital tools. Oh, Everyone okay. else had paper and pencil. All right. They were like making fun of my dice roller and like whatever. It's Such fine. A nerd. You had to push up. I know. <laughs> Jeez. You don't let nerds hear. No, I mean, it was, they were friendly making fun know, of me. Not, not like being rude. Like us just now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. That's awesome. And I, I am glad you do that. And I mean, maybe tomorrow. I don't have any games lined up for tomorrow. We'll see. All right. Any other Saturday mornings? I might. I don't know. We'll see. 
Saturday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Well, this is a good segue because fuck D and D. Yeah, Dungeon Caster. Oh yeah, what is Dungeon? Okay, Caster? now look, I will say Dungeon Caster is objectively and and like in every metric a better game than Dungeons yes. and Dragons. Yeah, except for tactical board gaming. <laughs> Chris, well, do you want to take on the tactical board gaming no, crowd? I do not. No, okay. There we go. No, thank you. I'm doing a series of events this con called D&D without the D&D. And I'm trying to flex. That's what I'm trying to do. And That's good marketing yeah. for right now. I feel like that's a good, yeah. a good lane to try and get in. Because you know what? Fuck D&D. We have Dungeon Caster. And so what I did was I, pol- I polished... Polished. Listen to me. I took Gary Gygax's Temple of Elemental Evil and I decided to run that with Dungeon Caster. I'm picturing you with like the temple That's and cool. and like a belt sander and you're just like grinding off the like <laughs> I was almost in that kind of like oh I made his better that's not what I meant it's not hard to make something Gary Gygax I made know. I better. read this thing hey. it's actually really good I read it and it, High Gygaxian and all I was like this is pretty damn good like there's some good ideas in here mm. and I had to dissect the uh, dungeon into sort of trajectories that you're going to go in because you're not going to go room to room. It's not how Dungeon Caster works. You go from threat to threat. And so I had to kind of look at the flow. When I started looking at the flow, I was like, actually, there's some logic here. There's a reason there's a bunch of gnolls over here. There's a reason there's a bunch of gnolls over here, and that's because they're trying to stop you from going over here. And then I actually was able to break it all out, and it made a lot of sense once I did that. So it was, it was actually a fun exercise. It's a really good module. I encourage you to get it, actually. It's, it's fun to read. But with Dungeon Caster, I could just take what was written and call those threats, and I'm, I've converted it. I'm done. So it was my first run at it today, and it was, I had a blast. I was, I don't think I felt that much energy at a table in a while, especially not on a dungeon crawl, because we have, you've all done dungeon crawls. I mean, this is like, can we just wait my turn and get my thing in? And I don't want to, oh, that sounded weird. Stop it. I didn't say a thing. You were going to. I sure was. What? Can, and, and now I'm not. Can you reintroduce yourself for chat? We had some folks come in late to chat. Can you introduce yourself? We did we not? Did. We just started talking. Oh, I feel like I introduced myself. You did. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I was talking about demigods. Oh, yes. yes. And then yes. fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So people want to know who you are, Frey, and what makes you famous. I'm Christopher Gray. Uh, what makes we know that. You just I, I love that he's just <laughs> talked right over Frey. <laughs> and what makes you famous? I like the paddleboard. It's a thing I found recently, and it's changed my life, and everybody should go paddleboarding. And I make games. That's cool. I didn't know that about you. I honestly really just learned a thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Paddleboarding. It's great. I feel like we sat together talking all day at the table to like... You never heard about the paddleboarding? And we didn't talk about paddleboarding. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I know what paddleboarding is. Oh, no. I I know. I'm just... All right, people. We got places to be. Do we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm near a paddleboard. I just fall well, down. Okay, okay. So, so that's me. Yeah. No, no, no. We want to talk about your game more, but okay, we're going to have yep. Frey introduce himself so that people don't keep asking and chat who this who person is. This guy? is. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Frey or Matt. It's Matt and Frey on the Discord. How's it going? Matt and Frey? Yes. Yeah. I think it's just slash. So it's and or. I don't know. Whatever. It's Divided by on Frey. <laughs> yes. I'm famous because I was here before, back in the old days of the backlog. <laughs> He's very old. He's very old. Yes, I yes. am old. <laughs> <laughs> for more contacts the first time I ever jammed a game it was Wild Talents with Frey so he's the one who got me into GMing and also taught me the magic of Wild Talents oh I love Wild Talents yes that's and, my actual play right and now. I'm also the one that made the biggest GM mistake that you should never make at a con what was that? not having a map oh oh yeah hey everybody I know where we're going 
nope, you guys don't no, know where nobody, you're going. We, we, I should have made a map. Yeah, we, we ran a, a game <laughs> that took place in a high school and it took, we were about an hour in and we realized that everyone was picturing their own high school. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so, you were Mapgate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got a nickname? No, no, oh. I don't know where that no, came from. No, we're not from. that cool. That's so, so funny everyone though. Everyone was like, no, we have to go past the gym. No, no, it's the pool, the pool. And we suddenly were like, that's we the chemistry have, building. Yeah. We have a pool? Yes, exactly. We have a football team? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. And then we decided, oh, we should draw this out. And then, we, of course, we drew one, and it wasn't any of the people's high school maps. No. So, <laughs> so from then on, every time I ran Wild Talents, I had maps. Me too. <laughs> yeah, we learned a thing. I don't care what it is. I'm making a map. A map. Yeah. Now, so, now I have a game that makes maps, like, as a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, I have learned from that. All right, so back so to we, Chris's game. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and when you said Frey needs to introduce, I thought you said Gray, and I was like, well, okay. Oh. But I thought you all knew me. It was my enunciation. I'm sorry. That's the cider enunciation, enunciating, <laughs> or not, lack of enunciating. And because I'm Chris, everybody calls me Gray because there are a billion Chris's on the earth. There are a lot. You know, but there's more Eric's. <laughs> and there's more. And, and more Kurtz. Kurtz, right. So anyway, the Temple of Elemental Evil was a rollicking good time. And we do have. You want to talk about it, Jason? Yeah. Jason was in it. There's another Yay. Jason here, everybody. I'm very excited about it. It's, a, it's our time. <laughs> our time has come. You're going to do great. And you're going to point this at your mouth. Okay. So who are you and what makes you famous? Hello, I'm Jason. And I'm on the Discord as Ampersands. And I'm on Twitch as all the Ampersands playing ghost games every once in a while. Hello. And I played in Chris's Dungeon Caster game. And it was amazing. It was exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Nice. I was the alternate, so fortunately somebody didn't show up and I got to play. Nice. I got the Dwarven Fighter and I was like, cool, that's a trope. I, it's fine. <laughs> a little closer, thank you. And no, it was great. It was, with the fantasy genre, it's more about just, you know, having a good time with your friends and getting smart quips in. And it's, if you do great, fine. If you don't do great, that's also fine. It's a one shot. <laughs> so I think my favorite bit was comparing one like, you started us off with in a somewhere with the wizard casting fire above our heads, and I said, yeah. "Oh, humans with their gender reveal parties." <laughs> and I was like, "This is what happens." Wait, wait, <laughs> gender flame? <laughs> but no, it was it was it was the perfect amount of you know the roles still kind of feel D and D ish, but also it's more about putting together something that you you feel like you can do. It doesn't matter if you're the best at it. It doesn't matter if you are even sort of good at it. It was and it didn't matter if you failed like i felt in fact i rolled two ones in a row on my d20 on the last fight i was like i'm just gonna roll with it and i got a bunch of mushrooms growing in my beard now and it's like oh, amazing this is what's happening <laughs> as you do yeah yeah although was, i forgot that i had a thing saying like you could re-roll one might roll per per session and i should have and i didn't do it on the first time and then i was like oh i should do it if i if i low roll or roll low again forgot again so I was in, the, but I was in the moment, and I was really enjoying just being like, "What's going on? Where am I swinging my axe?" So, no, it was a fantastic, fantastic time, and being able to take control narratively by accepting that something bad might happen to you earlier was a was a hoop. Yeah, so. bad doesn't stop the game; it just makes the game more interesting. And yeah. once you grok that, you're like, "Oh well, hell, you know." I'll yeah, yeah. Give, give, me, give me the bad thing because then yeah. I can decide something later. One, of the, good. one yeah. of the funny things I was speaking about making things bad, you know, there's a lot of narrative control that goes to the players in this game and the, the players made it way worse on themselves. But I, just by choosing to do so, but I, I had set it up because I knew you're not going to get through the whole dungeon. So I'd set it up so that at about a two hour mark, I would uh, have one bad evil God go in and release another bad evil God. <laughs> and then I would put up a, a big hourglass 
and you have an hour to go and get the gems that you have to destroy in order to revoke the power of the evil god before the evil god finds you. I mean, don't evil gods deserve to find their person too, Chris? Well, there's a, you know, you ha- it's a race. Okay. And so basically a little bit throughout, it was making one guy a little anxious. Like he's not, no, we have to well, go. It was a we big have to hourglass. Go. It was like yeah. this. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was, was a theatrical. Prop. It yeah. was very, very, very present on the table. <laughs> he was kind of like, we have to go, we have to go. And then at one point, he's like, no, I'm done. We're going to bring him to me, or we're going to bring her to me. And so they, he used he, the he narrative, control narrative control to and... bring the big bad to the group. Dang, and then it was right. like, all right, we'll throw down. This is the big fight. <laughs> and I didn't expect the, any of this to happen. And I didn't have anything worked out for the demoness, who is the big bad. And so I literally pulled up the, the module on my phone, the Gary Gax module, Gary Gygax module. And I looked at everything that she could do. I was like, okay, well. I have my hard moves. Let's do it. Oh, nice. The Temple of Elemental Evil in three hours, right? But we did. Speed run. We did. We speed run the Temple of Elemental Evil. It's great. Um, Awesome. No, but it was a hoot. And so definitely picking up a copy of the book tomorrow. And yeah. Yeah. So thank you for running. That was really great. Sure. Sure. Thank you for playing. Hey, thank you for being here. Okay. Quick question. I got a quick question. So you said hard moves. Does that mean you're using PPPPPP? T-A. That's close. I, I heard some of the consonants. Yeah. I had, there's some there. It's I'll not, it. it's definitely not PBTA, but I do use the nomenclature hard moves in it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's just, it's because when you are, it is diceless for the GM. So what you're okay. doing is you're introducing threats. The players respond to the threats. And then based on what they do, you can escalate the threat, introduce new threats. But sometimes threats have their own moves. And there are hard moves and soft moves. And so that nomenclature is in the game because it's it's kind of my design background. Okay, that works. Cool. Awesome. I'm so, and it's so great to see people noticing and picking that game up for the first time at the booth. Yeah. I think it it's super fun. fun to see people like browse through different things and see the types of people who are interested in different types of games. It's not scientific, but it, and it's kind of in a way you can like start predicting like, I think that person's going to look at that game. I was doing that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's super fun. Sometimes you're totally wrong. <laughs> All right, another Saturday afternoon, free. All right, well, of course, I want to talk about the, the you said that the people were really making themselves like they were. I know. I, yeah, I know. It's killing me. So, when you're saying how the players were really hard on themselves for some of those things that you're talking about, the narrative stuff, yeah. I've always found out that for the most part, players will be worse against themselves than anything that you were thinking at the time. Yeah. And I'd like, I'm just going to break your arm. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to break my arm and it's, the bone's going to come out and it's going to stab my ally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going with that. So, Yeah, that um, happened multiple times uh, actually in that game. I'm trying to remember, Jason, there was another moment where somebody made something worse than I could think of that we don't need to wait to remember. Yeah, <laughs> it, that happened. That did happen. Yeah. The fireball was going off and there were people in the room. It's yes. the, yeah, it's the did I stutter. You know, there's other people in this room. Yeah. So my second, my afternoon game was Fall of Magic. And oh. I brought a couple of my friends down to Game on Demand. And we went earlier and they were like, and Tones was like, yo, we got Fall of Magic. And I'm like, yo, I want to play. And we like came back at two. And then we had our little votes and we got to play. And he was explaining the safety rules. And neither one of them had heard of them nor seen them. And because one was a longtime friend of mine. And he's like, oh, those are really cool. So I was like totally stoked on that. And so it was me playing my third game of Fall of Magic and then three other people that were all new to it. And Fall of Magic, for those of you who don't know, is an awesome game that is done on a scrolling map. And you follow along the path 
and you make each encounter and it rolls around the table and you say what your character is and then make it up and you roll around and continue and go with your character and then you move to the next location and continue on and you're escorting this magus and the whole thing is like magic is failing in the world and this is what happens on your adventure and it was fantastic and it was basically the cabbage merchant from airbender and mixed that with aeon flux so it was hilariously and a little weird and disturbing and if those of you that have not seen Aeon flux go look it up it's a great cartoon on liquid television from i can't even Ooh, i'm old okay that brought me back yeah yeah but so it was funny because we were we we're going through and everything and there's a thing where you pick a title and you pick a title and like one of the titles was fox Another title is Crab Singer. <laughs> and the two players picked those. You have my attention. Yes. Oh my, <laughs> and so, like, when I first heard Crab Singer, I was thinking L5R right off the bat. And I'm like, look, this is a bard, and he's a crab, and he's on the walls, and he's defending the world, and he's singing to increase morale. Okay, that didn't happen because my friend had never played L5R or knew what it was. Right. So I have a hope. Where did you go? Where did you go with it? Okay. He went physical humanoid crab guy. Oh, I was going to say like Little Mermaid. Well, the fun thing is that, oh my God, I was totally thinking of that. What's his name? Sheldon? Sebastian. 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 Close enough. <laughs> Sheldon? I don't know. <laughs> it's, he's got a shell. Come on. But what's funny is that he didn't, that part didn't come out until our third encounter. So we're all doing our little thing. We're doing our thing. We go through the little village. We get out of the, the main castle and then we go to this other town and we're talking to this merchant and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I've got claw. What? And I got like crab legs. So we're like, the crab legs have got like no feet. So they're just little points, but he's humanoid. It was the funniest thing ever. And then <laughs> the, the, the merchant was selling food and fruits and he was like, okay, I want this. And he also said he had cats. And then we're like, no, we don't want the cats. We want the food. And then our other person who had a plane, the fox title, she said, oh, I was a fox and I got turned into a human by some basically magicians. Or sorcerers. And then so the merchant said, hey, your legs are weird. And he's like, well, yeah, I know, crab guy. And he pointed to the other person. He's like, what about your legs? And she had pants on. She's like, oh, these? Oh, they're not mine. <laughs> and so Tomes is coming. He walked by like at that point and just got like, the legs are not mine. And then he had to get, went and did something else. And we had to explain it to him later. So that was just hilarious. And then later she says, oh, yeah, I used to have four. And the merchant's like, what? And it ended up being like 20, 25 minutes of the three, the two characters that were in the scene and then the other player playing the merchant because you're allowed to switch roles. Freaking killed me. I loved it. And it just continued. And then there was a scene where the fox jumped on the crab and was swimming in the water, but he only swam sideways. So it, <laughs> it, just, it, it, it just kept going. And at the end of the game, we, we had a great ending that it was unknown. and we think magic may or may not have come back and then the magus lived but he was we were transporting him back to the castle to hopefully him recover but we didn't find out what the result of the little ritual that happened so and it was just a fun game and they had, they loved the game they would like to play it again so i was really happy with that and then the other person that played the fox that was her second role playing game wow that's and amazing. the first one was the night before with tomes <laughs> so that was just it was just a great game, and I love it. I mean, I've only played it three times, and sorry, I, I want to play it some more. I missed the top of it. What was the game? 
Ball of magic. Oh, oh, yeah. Love, it yeah. changes every love, time love, you love. play it. And I realized how creative you can get. The first time I played it was when Tomes, it, Tomes, you were playing a fox, a literal fox that couldn't talk because you were a fox. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, you can just do what you want to do. I, I see. This is beautiful. Yeah, that, I think that's one of the, the best things about it is it's undefined. And we had a brand new player. She was incredible and played off so many of the ideas of the other players. And you don't get that in, in like games that's all hardcore rules. Like in D&D, you're not going to be able to, that wouldn't have been able to happen. I mean, so unless you like, it was a dream sequence. Yeah. So magical. Yeah. So that was an amazing segue to having Tomes come up here. Hi, Tomes. Tomes. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Tomes is a fox. Oh, yeah. So who are you and what makes you famous after I already said your name? Hello. My name is Tomer or Tomes. I have also like Frey, you're talking to my heart. Like we were back there in what? Season three or four or something. Like it was a long time ago and it coincided with me getting back into RPGs. Happy Jacks was the thing I was really listening to when I hadn't played and some friends wanted to play and I just started to get back into it after like decades of not playing. Right. And so it was really influential. This, I came to this con because of Happy Jacks. Like, that's why I came, right? Because I listened and I came with my friend and we're like, okay, let's check it out. So what I do now is I run games on demand. <laughs> that's a quick segue. Yeah, that's, that's my little beautiful story that I want to oh, share yeah. with you. Frey, you're inspiring me. Well, and don't Getting forget, emotional. my daughter's first game, Fall of Magic, two years, three years ago. Oh, yep. God, three years ago. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, we're family here. So anyways, I run games on demand, which... You have large versions of that at various conventions like Gen Con and Origins. And so look for those places. They're a lot more structured and they're not super structured, but like the GMs who are going to run are already known ahead of time. They've like put down two different games that they're open to running. They're all the same types of games, but you actually come and kind of like pseudo on the spot sign up. We do it a little bit more relaxed. So we just get together and see how many people we got and go, yep, looks like we'll need two tables. And does anybody want to run something? Like that kind of style of casual. But yeah. Tums, quick note. Chat mentioned, we would love to have you in the Happy Jacks Discord sometime. Yeah, okay. That's a good segue, actually. So I think I might have an account in there. Discord is not easy for me. (laughs) (laughs) You have a Discord account. I I am relatively old. So I'm there. He's in the Happy Jacks Discord, but he, he doesn't know how to log in. I'm ignoring all of you. Sorry. <laughs> it's hurtful. Um, yeah, it, it is. I, sorry. That actually is a good segue, though, because I will say it's been a pandemic, right? And continues to be a pandemic. As far as that goes, I found that during that time, I started to get a little burnt out on like the level of gaming that I used to play. And so I just want you to know it's okay to like take it down a notch if you need to do that for a while. Yep. I'm in that mode. So even though I'm running games on demand down there, I cannot run every session. I cannot play in every session. My bandwidth is limited. So, you know, you can still be in this hobby and do that and like take the break you need. And not so, only that, it's awesome. Like, cause you got such a cool chill aura and you're just like, yeah, we're going with this. I'll be we're- honest. That's half of what I want games on demand to be at this con is just a space where you can kind of come and chill and talk about RPGs in yeah. the middle of the games. Cause that's basically what we do there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's a good time. 
it's a very cool place to discover new games. Every time I go down there, there's a new game that inspires me. It's also a great place to meet people. Both Emily and Ray are people that I met down at Games on Demand here. And now Emily's like one of my closest friends and ran Hexbreakers for us. And Emily's amazing. And also she has the cutest little baby. I love her so much. <laughs> and so it's amazing how, like you were saying, like we're family. Like this con is literally how our family has been built up for a really long time. Also people I trained in a gym, but mostly this con. <laughs> and like Frey, you like came and you met us here for the first time. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but it was just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of magical. And it's, like, it means a lot to my heart to have us like starting to be back to so, somewhat what it was. Like, we're, I'm still masking. Like, this room is, it's not as full as you feel like it is at home. And it's <laughs> there's a very only a thousand room. people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm feel I feel pretty safe here. But like, when I were down in the exhibition hall, I'm masking and things like that. And I'm masking most of the game rooms and stuff like that still. But it's starting to feel like, like what it was. And I have to say, like playing games on demand last time I was here was a big part of me starting to feel like, okay, this is what it is again. And like going down there and meeting Ray and having this amazing gaming experience and like just meeting and and connecting with another GM slash game designer over this amazing game that another person had designed and neither one of us had done it. And like just talking about it, it's just part of the amazingness. And even if you're not gaming, you should come and be on the podcast. There's not, it's a lot less pressure than actually running games or playing games. I appreciate the invite. I will happily do that at some point. Yay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I do want to just highlight a couple of the games that we played, like in seconds. I'm going to keep this real short, but okay. Then I'll take a We're going for three hours. Last con on the Friday, I got some stuff delivered in the mail, like actual games from Kickstarters. In this case, it was like Story Brewers Little Box Games. And that came on the Friday morning of the con and it was awesome. So I got to take it to the con. I wasn't feeling super hype. But I ended up playing that twice and getting a couple tables to play it over the weekend. Game by Sydney Icarus. Fantastic game. And so it made me feel that because I was kind of like worried if I had the bandwidth to really play some of these. And it just kind of got me back into that zone. So... Hey, Tomes, you you know Sydney, right? Yeah, Sydney's a friend from some gaming communities we played online. So uh, they're over in Australia. I I think I've met them once. Do you know if they have intentionally named themselves Sid Icarus? I will not comment on that. <laughs> oh, God. This is all I've wanted to know for like two years since knowing about them. And yeah, just, and I'll, I'll be honest. I do not have the answer to that. It question. feels so weird to just ask over online or something. Like I, I would ask them face to face, but like uh, you should totally ask them. <laughs> I just want someone to know. You could broadcast it on a podcast. Is it because it's Sid Icarus, which is just yeah. what I want it to be. <laughs> Information I do can, not have. Can someone please reach out to um, her and find that out for us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're working on it right now, our technicians in the back here. So I say all that because this Friday, I got another thing in the mail. I got City of Winter. That's the basically the Fall of Magic, like, I don't know, continuation, if you will, by Ross Kalman and the Dear Recording Games. But anyways, it came and I got to play that as well this weekend. And it is unbelievably good. It's a little bit different. Fall of Magic is a beautiful classic. Very loose with the story game. Very few mechanics. Almost no mechanics. I mean, in a traditional sense. But this game has a little bit more in it. And it's about a family traveling. And it really like builds... Like It uses even like bonds, but in a very story gamey way. And it's gorgeous. Gorgeous game. So there was that that was played. Fall of Magic was played. My friend Chris Shorebrand, uh, Dialect. 
Yeah, I love uh, that game. So game about language. I want to play that's one of my bad. favorites. Yeah, I've never uh, gotten to play games, it. Fantastic game. Absolutely fantastic. So, but those, that's about it. Like there were very few tables. It was very, very light. And I called ahead of time to like various friends in this community. And a lot of them knew they weren't coming this weekend. And it's, this is the slowest of them. But honestly, I love it. It's just like small and intimate. And so yeah, come play. One last thing, I did go to the Adventures League room. Like, I rarely get a chance to really travel around the con or I don't make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Today, I was like, no, I'm going to go check this out. And I went down there and it is a humbling experience. There are so many people so excited <laughs> to be playing all at once in yes. a big room. And I feel like this, I'm a little drop in this big <laughs> no. of con. But you know, it's a smaller area of the con. It's just as much fun. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fun drop, but I'm just <laughs> a little drop, fun drop in the corner. Of this convention. Anyways, thank you. Okay, so I have to add thank one you. thing to this. So when we were talking about what games to play, we had, a, I don't know, nine people. And Tom's like, okay, so follow Magic, put a one. Raise your hand up, put a one. And if you want dialect, put your hand up and put a two. And if you want either one, then put up both hands with a one or a two. And he did that, and everybody except for one person put up one and twos. It was hilarious. And we're like, okay, because we, my friends and I were like, we're going to do follow Magic. Yeah. And all of a sudden... Chris came and talked about dialect and we're like, holy crap, I want to do that. And I'm like, I want to do it both. And then my friends flipped on me and I didn't even tell me. I'm like, okay, so, and then we just broke it up again. But it was so funny. So I'm like, okay, now we're going to get it again. And the, the freaking cover is beautiful. I haven't it is looked at books, such a beautiful book. I know, it I want to get it just because of that. Like, yeah. it, it's one of the books where like, I was walking by Games on Demand the first time I saw it. And I literally like stopped in my tracks and like turned because I like was in my peripheral. And I was just like, that is a beautiful thing. What is this thing? And I picked it up. I was like, oh, it's a game. Okay, cool. Like, I should have known because it's like literally on a table with all the games. That is my trap. I call that my <laughs> trap. I put all these beautiful things there and people wander by, people who've never played RPGs before, and then I convert them. <laughs> Honeypot. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's, I don't think Adventurers League can do that. With their their hordes of people over there, I don't think people can walk up and say, "Now, what's an RPG?" And they are welcoming and would welcome you to do that. But you don't walk up to Adventurers League and go, "Well, what's all this then?" Like, <laughs> you just don't. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot. And go your honeypot is the perfect one. It is amazing. Yeah, we love it. We love it. Also, every month we have an indie designer of the month that we're featuring right now in Happy Jacks. Right now, it is Ryan Kahn, who is an incredible designer who was on the podcast last week, actually. He designed Told by Starlight, which was the game that I actually played with Ray last time at Games on Demand that like just like spun me out in this amazing like design mode and made me rethink things and jump on like designing other games that I shouldn't be doing yet because I should be working on Starscape at a time other than 2.30 in the morning. But yeah, it's just, it's so amazing. And so like we're trying to bring, I, I think that's honestly like kind of a little bit of my inspiration. Like our indie designer of the month is like my trying to bring a little bit of games on demand mm. to you via the internet. So you can find all these amazing, cool little games that are so hard to find if you're not going to these little corners that have like stacks of just stunning, beautiful, little known small press games. So yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I'm telling how cool we are. We're cool. Support your indie people. Support indie gamers <laughs> or designers. As gamers, be indie gamers so you can support indie designers and just play cool games. All right. I've had a lot to drink. Okay. Next Saturday afternoon still. Are we good? Did you want to say no? No, it's okay. All right. It's Saturday night now. So we don't have to do Sunday morning yet because we haven't gotten there. 
at this point. I was in a podcast Saturday night. <laughs> How'd it go? No way, it's really? Amazing people. I'll let there. you know. Okay. I'll tell you when it's over. <laughs> I heard it was very good and slowly devolved as the person <laughs> with the microphone got a little drunker. Anyway. I've whoop. actually been sobering up. We traded. <laughs> High five. All right. <laughs> uh, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about? Any experiences they want to chat about? Going well, on. What about our neighbors from uh, the dealer room who graciously joined us? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I didn't know if I was asking if you wanted to come up and talk about, and I wasn't sure if you were. Okay. Come up here. No, no pressure, no. but no pressure, here. but get up I here. Know. I was like, oh, maybe there's You can sit right here. So, <laughs> what's your name? Jet. What's the name of your booth? Don't forget to say that part. And what makes you famous? Charles, the name of the booth is the Guildhouse. Locally famous. I own a small store in Belplar. It's just a little ways from here. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, more stores, the better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, we were neighbors with, uh, with uh, Chris over here. So we're like, ah, we're going to go to that. We're going to go to that uh, podcast thing. Yeah, you got to do this podcast. I have to do it. I guess you can come. <laughs> now, I would say I, uh, I was playing uh, Bouts like Alpha Strike. So not really RPG, but there is Mech Warrior, which is the RPG that's in that same universe. Oh, man. Three-hour game. <sighs> Took a while. I don't talk about it here. No, no, talk about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot what Jerry's is coming up on June 24th. Uh, so, like, in a month. You guys doing anything for Fairbury Day? I, yes. I think I might be driving to Bellflower. Yeah, you want to run a game? You want to run some tables for us? Uh, <laughs> Wait, what, what day is it? June 24th. And what's the oh. name of the shop again? The Guildhouse. Oh, the Guildhouse. Yeah, yeah, I know the Guildhouse. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you probably see me there. <laughs> well, I, I go to the one in Burbank usually. Guild Hall. Oh, Guild Hall. Okay, yeah. okay. Unfortunately, but... we do not serve alcohol. Okay, okay. No, that's, I know Guild House as well. I, I... Wait, yeah, they okay. serve alcohol at the Guild Hall? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to be there on the 24th. Yeah. <laughs> we can't serve it, but we can't. We, do, we, we don't have to make you not have it. <laughs> oh. so, so you're looking for folks to run games on that day? Uh, yeah, we're looking for volunteers to run some games, trying to showcase some stuff that's not D&D and kind of not Pathfinder. I know a game that's not D&D. Really? What? What is it? Yeah. Hold on, I got it. It's uh, never mind. I forgot. I lost it. Ten, I'll remember. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. Dun- dungeon caster. Ten candles. Dread. Uh, dungeon caster. <laughs> that's that's the other thing I saw downstairs. Someone had um those candles, the little electric, electric yeah, ones. Those cool. Oh yeah. And I have yet to play ten candles. And I talked to my friends about it, and I'm like, dude, there's a game called Ten Candles, and I explained it to them. And like, we got to play that because the, le- the electric, electric so ones, it's so the electric up. ones are awesome. Oh, okay. you can just turn them off. Okay, okay. I gotta say though, <laughs> you don't cause a fire. There's I, a butt here, right? Mm. What? <sighs> I have strong feelings about this. Don't, don't leave. You're not done. Actually, unless you're in a place where fire is illegal. Yes, Ten Candles has a very cool mechanic where you can actually accidentally blow out candles as you right. play the game, right? And it oh. ups the stakes. So if you were like, no, don't do that, and like your hand motion, like blows out one of the candles, it like suddenly ups the stakes very dramatically in an right. amazing way yeah. that you're like, and everyone's just like, <gasps> or it just burns down. Or it just burns yeah, out. It if you take too out. long, the tea candles start burning out on their own and it like ups the clock amazingly. Okay, yeah. So I'll it's keep that gotta be those like little short Ikea tea lights. I mean, you can, I have played it successfully with electric candles in places I was not allowed to have open yes. flame, but it loses a little bit of the chance element that makes it truly the anticipation just builds and you're just like, okay, everybody talk quietly yeah. and don't move too quickly. And like, yeah, so it, it, there's a, there's an element there that is like whoever, like, like if it was a planned piece, just the brilliance of it. And if it was accidental, like also just brilliant and amazing. So cool. 100%. Okay. So, so now I want me and clockwork to be in a 
candles game. Yeah. Do just it. To see then, see how accidentally we can actually by accident. You would yeah. It's like, oh, ten minutes <laughs> in, all the candles. what happens? There's only one left. <laughs> all right. Not me. So get out of his hands. Yeah, the RPG day. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're offering here at the con? What's at your booth right now? We've got a pretty good selection of different board games. We've got some we've got a couple RPG books. I know we have the Star Wars RPGs, which always coming out of print thanks to Fantasy Flight and Asmode being very consistent with all that. We've got tons, we got RPG dice. We got some BattleTech stuff that's been really popular lately. Uh, try to do a little bit of everything, uh, which is yeah, you can't do you can't do it all, but we we definitely damn try. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure who what they were looking at, but there were two folks that came over and saw something, and they 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 both at the same time went <gasps> and like and had a fit and bought something. So I don't know what that was about, but that had that reaction happened. I'm not sure. That might have been. That might have been like tiny, like the mini dice we had, or there might have been. There might have been. It, just, it happens so many times, Chris. <laughs> it's yeah. just that all day. It's just, we have a lot of like odds, a lot of odds and ends. Oh, I know. We also have some earrings that are made f- like for mini brands, so you can oh. get like earrings that are like little like sodas or uh, chewing gum. Oh, that's yes, cute. I saw those. Those are cute. Yeah. Also, like dice and not like, so many little like knickknack earrings that my wife puts together. This is kind of a little <laughs> unique thing for our shop, as opposed to just out of the regular stuff you'd find on online or wherever else. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to have something a little slightly different to attract people. Yeah, something a little unique. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has her own like section at her at our store for all of her handcraft stuffs. Nice. Lots of lots of notebooks which have been uh, been really well. People are like, "Oh, these are great." Like, cool. where do you order these from? Like, my wife puts those together. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, where do you order them from? Oh, no, no, she orders me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, where can people find it? Our website is theguildhousegames.com. That has we have pretty much everything on there that we have in store. We also have our store again is in Bellflower, California. Uh, right after the six hundred five and ninety one freeways. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Thanks for coming. Also, thank you so much for being awesome, excellent neighbors for our first first booth experience. So it's been awesome. All right, are we spent? Did we do it? I think we're done. We did it. Maybe. I like it. Thank you for joining us for season thirty two, episode three of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. I'm Craig. I'm Chris. I remember the names this time. And this is our live studio audience. We're truly happy to be back at this con. We're truly happy that the soul of this con feels like it's kind of healing and it feels super familiar and happy. And we're going to go get drunk now. We love you. Bye. We love you all. Yes.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. Thank you.